about what is going to be accomplished by an employee in a certain role. Uh, some of those expectations are very realistic and some of them can be unrealistic. Oftentimes they may be unrealistic simply because these great expectations have not been communicated to the employee in a way that the employee can fulfill the role. Skinny Podcast with Trisha Verita. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, there's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15 or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Also, remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Legal skinny brief on great expectations and job descriptions. So you might be wondering why I want to discuss great expectations and job descriptions together. And the reason is, is because the great expectations that I'm talking about are the, uh, you know, high expectations that employers tend to have sometimes about what is going to be accomplished by an employee in a certain role. Uh, some of those expectations are very realistic and some of them can be unrealistic. Oftentimes they may be unrealistic simply because these great expectations have not been communicated to the employee in a way that the employee can fulfill the role. So how do employers figure out how to do that? Well, there's some key pieces of communicating with employees that employers should consider whether or not they've taken advantage of doing those things. One of those things may be uh, making sure that there's a job description that's accurate and up to date on the actual role that they want the employee to fill. So when you're looking at uh, the particular role that an employee is going to fill, if it's a, a brand new role, you may need to build the job description from the base up, sort of looking at what are the expectations and the needs for the role to be filled and what are going to be the essential pieces of that job and then making sure that the expectations that the employer has for that employee, you know, make it into that job description. 
Now, obviously the job description can't have everything that you have uh, and want the employee to fulfill, but it should have a baseline summary of the specific pieces and, and key essential functions of the job uh, so that there can be a good communication and dialogue throughout the employee's time working for the employer to kind of sort of discuss you know, whether or not the employee is meeting the expectations in the job description. Now, there's something also called a job requisition, and sometimes it's debated about whether or not a job requisition or a job description occurs first. For smaller employers, they may not need a job requisition because maybe, you know, the smaller employer is actually making the decision about the job description directly. But where there's layers of management, sometimes a job requisition is appropriate. And this would be where senior leadership or the CEO needs to make decisions about hiring. And then um, a lower level management um, uh, employee or personnel may submit a job requisition in order to communicate that, hey, we have a gap, we need this filled, and these are the requirements that we need. Sometimes the job description exists at that time if it's a role that's already been filled. Maybe there's already um, a status of exemption or non-exempt employee, or maybe the hourly rate or the salary rate is already determined for that position. So with that, maybe the job description will accompany the job requisition. But if it's a new position, then again, maybe the job description will be built from the ground up. So reasons why a job description uh, is important for employers to consider having and making sure that it's accurate is because besides the communication to the employee, it also communicates to the employer how that role of the employee is going to fit into the company. So what knowledge, skills, abilities, uh, physical abilities that may be needed for the job description um, so that the role can actually be successfully filled, especially if the hiring process is um, occurring either by a third party or is uh, occurring maybe in the HR department and the role is for um, uh, another department within the company or business. So sometimes this job descriptions can sort of be uh, the way to explain to everybody what type of individual will be best fit for this role. After the employee is hired, the job description then becomes a piece of the communication that employers can kind of have with these employees to kind of open up to them, hey, you know, during the annual review or during general discipline, if there's some performance issues, you know, let's point back to the job description that this is the expectation that the employer had. Now, employers may recognize that a job description is out of date or that it needs to be uh, updated or is inaccurate. When they do discipline and there really is nothing in the job description um, or any other sort of memos or information or communications given to the employee about what it is they wanted the employee to accomplish. So that's where I get this sort of discussion about great expectations. There can be key pieces, especially when you're dealing with uh, maybe a management um, level uh, that isn't as familiar with management styles. So new management, you know, they may have issues with trying to figure out how to communicate the expectations they have to the employee. And when the job description isn't accurate, you know, there can be a level of frustration between the employee and management and trying to figure out, okay, what exactly it is they want me to do and how do I accomplish it? 
sometimes the management style may turn to in a way that is sort of micromanaging the employee because they feel like, you know, they aren't meeting the expectations. Whereas if the job description is more accurate, then the employee maybe might not need quite so much of that micromanagement style. So you can easily say, hey, you know, we've communicated this to you. In general discipline, oftentimes the job description can be cited in those written disciplinary forms. And so, um, you know, if you have a job description that doesn't have information in it that's key or essential to what the employee should be accomplishing, then that's when you should sort of maybe look at it and say, okay, that needs to be updated. The same with the annual review. Sometimes the structure of the annual review of the employee or sometimes, you know, quarterly or, or um, some employers do some sort of preliminary reviews um, 60, 90 days into the employment of the employee. You know, those reviews, it would be great if they're very related to the actual job description. So again, the great expectations of what the employer is trying to accomplish have been communicated all along. And so there's no doubt that when the employee wasn't, you know, performing in a certain way, you know, the employer can point back and say, you know, it's been documented that we've communicated what these expectations are. Another reason that a job description needs to be accurate would be uh, if an employer is subject to the Americans with Disabilities Act. So determining whether or not the essential functions of the job are in the job description is a key piece in determining whether or not uh, an accommodation can be made throughout the interactive process with the employer and the employee. So employee requests accommodation of some sort, if, a dis if there is a disability and, and the employer is subject to the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, going back to that job description to see if the employee with an accommodation, a reasonable accommodation could still perform the essential functions of that job, it's key to have a good understanding and updated job description so that that can be accomplished appropriately. Other possible considerations, of course, are um, including the physical issues. Sometimes job descriptions lack, you know, weight uh, lift restrictions or standing for long periods of time or, um, you know, being present or uh, supervising certain staff individuals. Those may seem like automatic things, but if you don't put them into the actual job description, then sometimes, you know, it, it may not seem as automatic to the employee who is trying to do um, what they can to perform the job. So uh, it, it's good to sort of check that off the box to know, hey, I did tell them, you know, we were expecting that they would be doing, you know, with the individual employees that they supervise, they would be conducting, you know, weekly meetings or they would be doing these certain types of things. Now, outside the job description, you know, you can have memos and other guidance, of course, for the employee, but um, that's why this foundational piece at the front, you know, really starts to just lay the foundation uh, for further communication with the employee on exactly what it is these expectations are. Now, the Fair Labor Standards Act um, requires, you know, of course, a determination of whether or not employees are exempt or non-exempt uh, for purposes of determining whether there's overtime and other related issues. The job description often tells you whether or not these individual employees classify for exempt status or whether they're non-exempt employees. And so if 
for purposes of being exempt, the, uh, for instance, the employee needs to have some sort of independent discretion to make certain decisions. Well, you know, why not include that into the job description so that it's clear the employee has those opportunities to make that type of um, independent judgment, or if they're managing employees, you know, include that into the job description as well. So that's kind of just sort of the basis of, of where job descriptions should start. And, you know, then as employers are kind of considering how to sort of uh, discipline off the job description, they can kind of maybe feel a little more comfortable that they've, um, you know, communicated those great expectations. Another key piece, you know, of course, is that the handbook policies, um, as you know, while they communicate a lot of the expectations as well, if the handbook policies aren't sort of accurate as to the different policies the company is actually following, it can be confusing in the performance of the employee. And sometimes, especially if they conflict with certain things that may be in the job description. So looking for conflict issues there, making sure that everything sort of matches would be another way to kind of update and, and look at the job description um, when possibly if you could during the annual review or on a yearly basis or um, uh, at least every other year or yearly basis. Now, another thing to consider potentially is in the annual evaluation, uh, maybe having some sort of discussion with the employee as to whether they think that the job description is accurate. Now, that can help with identifying things that an employee is doing that you may not have known they were doing, or maybe uh, making sure that everything is included for purposes of the fact that they may need um, a higher uh, salary or a different hourly rate because they actually are doing some different things than other individuals in that role. So it can sort of lend to employers figuring out that uh, maybe a new role needs to be created for this particular employee because they've now taken on three or four different positions uh, and, and it's sort of all being combined into one. So, if you, for example, if you have an employee that's, you know, uh, doing that office manager role, <laughs> some of them wear many hats, and then they're also, you know, uh, doing the accounting role, and then they're also doing the other a uh, role related to some ad administrative issues. Well then, you know, you may wanna combine all of that into some sort of higher level position so that, you know, you've accurately reflected that uh, the employee's full position and all the things that they're in charge of. And that can be important for a lot of reasons, but certainly it, in determining that if that individual is exempt and they do have all these different roles rather than having the job description of four different um, particular roles and saying, okay, this person is, is, you know, doing all four of these roles, it makes just a little bit more sense to everybody if it's all sort of combined as one role that the individual, now maybe they accomplish the accounting and the admin and everything under the office manager position, but having sort of separate job descriptions can be a little confusing. Now, educating managers and supervisors on the importance of an uh, honest evaluation, that's in key when the annual evaluation is occurring and the use of the job description during the annual evaluation really can kind of aid and educate these managers and supervisors to understand that they need to really look at whether or not the role is being accomplished and where improvement could be um, 
could occur for that particular employee. Also, determining how to show communication along with any disciplinary notes and um, peer review and self-review. These can all occur and oftentimes the job description can be a basis for the peer review. So if you have a bullet point um, section in the job description of those items can then be transferred into the sort of um, peer or self-review so that you can say, okay, what was management style? What was, um, you know, uh, filing? How did they handle these particular tasks, you know, and they can sort of lend itself so that it's it's not just a um, an arbitrary review or arbitrary um, management determination. If everybody's looking back at the job description and the job description had been given to the employee and the employee acknowledged the job description at the start of the position, you know, then when there's some sort of peer review or self review or management review based off of that job description, you know, it seems a little more fair versus ignoring the job description and doing these reviews without any sort of basis or relation back, it can be confusing to the employee because they may feel that they met the standards in the job description and that all these quote, great expectations, you know, that they're being judged on at the time of consideration for bonus or consideration for um, different raises or positions that it doesn't seem quite fair. So it can go a long way in communicating those great expectations. And so thank you for joining me on the particular great expectations and job descriptions brief with Legal Skinny. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also, check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer for the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction, so also remember this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.